Welcome back to the Comics Are Dope podcast. I'm your host, BJ Kicks. I'm joined by my co-host, Skip, and a special guest who we will introduce in just a moment. Um, but if you're watching this on YouTube, this is exciting. This is our first video podcast, um, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, we've got the first of hopefully many guests, but an esteemed guest in his own right, uh, and I'm very excited about this episode. If you can tell, I'm very unprofessional right now. I, I thought I had a nice intro, and then I was like, ah, not, not quite. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest after I ask my man, Skip. Yo, how you doing? Man, how am I doing? I'm excited, man. Uh, especially have the guests that we have here. Um, you know, uh, his his current comic book issue number two of Torrent came out this week. Um, the colorist is Rico Renzi, so I got, I'm repping his shirt right here, Martin the Martian. So I'm just excited, and uh, I'll let you I'll let you introduce him. Bet, bet. So our guest today um, is an illustrator. He's been in the industry for quite some time. He's actually been really busy. You may know him from such titles as Stumptown. Uh, maybe you read Burnouts. Maybe you read that issue of Future State Gotham. Or maybe, maybe you picked up Torrent, issue number one. Uh, but today we're talking to Justin Greenwood. What's up, what's up? Man, how you doing? Today? Burnouts, man. I, I did a cover for Burnouts. I, I gotta say, I didn't draw Burnouts, in fairness, but I did draw a cover uh, for it. Gotcha. Fairness to uh, Dennis, my old pal Dennis, who we work together uh, periodically. But. Nice, nice. Oh, this cover. I'm just terrible. excited to be esteemed. I don't remember the last time I was esteemed. This is a big moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, First time, man. First time. That is great. Um, so, I mean, we're going to keep this real casual. I mean, we're a bunch of nerds. Uh, and Skip and Justin go way back, apparently. I'm the only one new to this convo. <laughs> but what's well, exciting right i guess we'll we'll start with the softball question man like so where'd you first fall in love with comics and and decide like maybe you had a shot at drawing them yeah i think um you know i had i had a brother who who lived in arizona and he would come on the summers to come visit and he would bring his box of comics and i remember um i used to get he had like all the early, like, X-Men, Wolverine, like, the stuff that really, for me now, is real formative. Like, I, I just got really into it. And my dad was really into magazines. He, he was an artist, and he wasn't into comics at all, but um, he would drag us out to the magazine shop, which I feel like is not so common anymore. But when I was a kid, there were magazine shops everywhere where, you know, you could, like, whatever your hobby was, there was a magazine for it. Mm. And he was into custom painting and pinstriping and, like, biker magazines, lowrider mags, anything that kind of used his art form. He was into racing. And, uh, so he basically just go, he'd go and I swear he would buy a stack of magazines and he would just drop us off in front of the comic rack and we would just sit there and go over the comic rack, like, uh, like a fine tune comb or whatever the expression is. Just really be reading everything. But the stuff I got really into was Marvel comics. I, I got, I was way into X-Men. I still, uh, have my old runs from back in the day. And I don't know, uh, I don't know when I made crossover from like thinking, enjoying reading them to thinking about drawing them, but I love to draw from early on too, because, um. Uh, you know, art was always in our household, and we, were, we would talk about drawing a lot. But I think, I guess, at some point, pretty early on, I started tracing the comics and thinking, like, "Oh man, I bet you I could do this if if I really put my mind to it." And uh, it took me a long time to get started, but once I did, I went I went full steam ahead. You know. Got you. So then, what was that? What was that path like, and what were you doing in the meantime? Right, you say you took a long time to get started. I assume you started a career, maybe other. 
in other ways? Yeah, yeah. Well, I worked a produce job for a long time, and I put myself through school. I mean, I had a period in my 20s where I think I just needed to um, not do anything and just sort of mm-hmm. get my feet on the ground and get some life under my belt. And, you know, we got into a lot of mischief in my early 20s. But there was a point when I, I was always drawing still, and I just felt like, you know, I'm letting this opportunity go by. I love drawing, and if I don't make this effort to, to really make this a career instead of talking about it, it's, it's just going to... It's going to go by and I'll, I'll be bummed out. So I, I signed up for art school because uh, I just needed the discipline. I, I think, you know, you can get into art lots of different ways. I don't think art school is necessary, but um, for me it was. Like, I just needed somebody to make me practice. Like, really, like, practice all day long. And um, the, the strides I took, that like, the improvement I had was so fast and so much at that time that I've... I've Sometimes I feel like I'm just still trying to capture that momentum 15, 20 years later and really continue to learn, continue to get better because that, that journey never really stops, you know? Right. So, like, when I, when I think of art school, I think of, like, people just learning just real classical stuff, right? Like, I guess the only comparison I have is I grew up around, like, music, right? And so when I went to college, I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally take piano class. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. learn how to play piano. And I'll go get in the classroom and like just trying to wrap my head around music theory, it just didn't work. Like I sucked at Mm. learning piano, even though like I could play certain things by ear and and so on. And I feel like art could potentially be like the same way. Like I've, we've all taken, I don't know if we've all taken art classes, but you know, you learn shading and values and all those things, you know, like elementary school or whatever. But at a certain point, you start to take like, you know, an art curriculum and then there's, you're learning all these different things that maybe aren't what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and so then when I'm looking at like comics, you know, I guess you can see like certain fundamentals in everyone, but everyone's got a different style, a different sort of look. How do you equate like the art school experience? How do you feel like it lends itself to um, what you end up doing? Yeah. Well, I think you're right on about that. I, one thing for me, I had the benefit of being older. Like, I, you know, I wasn't old exactly, but I was in my, like, maybe mid-20s or something. I, didn't, I wasn't a teenager, and, and I was paying for it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a little different when your folks send you to college right out of uh, high school. You don't really have a sense for, like, what that costs or, like, if – I don't know. The commitment level is different. When you're doing it for yourself and you're yeah. paying for it yourself, you, you put both feet in. And if you've made that decision, you're going all the way. And I think the way that school taught – just really suited my sensibility. It really worked on the foundations. And then you apply those foundations in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, you take those initial classes and you could kind of go off in any direction and you, you, know, you could apply them a lot of different ways. I, I was interested in comics and that was my, the thing I wanted to do the most. But if I, but if I hadn't found a career in comics, maybe I would have done book illustration or magazines or, or art for something else. And occasionally I do that stuff when it comes up. But, um, you know, I graduated college in like 2000 and 2005 and there just wasn't a huge comics program then either. I mean, the, the comics landscape has changed so much too. I mean, it, traditional illustration, you could, uh, you, there were a lot of different avenues you could take, but comics was the least, by far the least desirable when you would talk to teachers who'd be like, you know, that's the hardest work to get. It pay, generally pays the least. It's really time intensive. And those things are true. Um, but I felt like if I don't start with the thing I love the most, then I'm kind of cheating myself just because I, I'm afraid of what how it's going to work out. It's better to really just go for it, and then we'll just see. And I gave myself a few years to kind of break in and see if I had that ability. And 
I, it was at, like I started hitting conventions and like I was putting a portfolio together and doing shows. And uh, I would do like a few a year and take that feedback and kind of rework things and come back out again. And I think it was after after two or three years I, I got my first job. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I needed uh, comics also doesn't have a very clear break in way either. It's not like you can ask 10 different comic artists how they broke in. They're all going to tell you a different story. And so I think because that's the case, it feels like the Wild West. Everything seems like it takes extra long. But when, once you're rolling and you have something under your belt that you can point to and say, this is what I do, it gets a lot easier. You know? Word, word. Right on. So, uh, so question, uh, you know, of course, naturally, as we're going down this this timeline, you know, you get to school, you get disciplined. Of course, when you get out of school, like you said, take some years, you give yourself some time to break in. But while you're at school, one of the most yeah. important things there is building relationships. If I could ask, um, you know, who are some of the people that um, that you ended up, you know, meeting uh, while you were at school and uh, built relationships with? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I think this is also a byproduct of being older, getting there too. But like, I made a lot of friends there, but I, I can I can count on one hand how many of those people I still know right right this minute. Um, but I had a few teachers who were a, who left a really big impression on me, and I still think about them often. I, I had this one teacher; he's, he's passed now. This guy Kazusano was just an incredible illustrator. I was just talking about him at uh, Emerald City last weekend because he was on my mind. We were I was talking with us the, the uh, person I was sitting next to just about going to school, what those experiences are like. And um, I, I found with art school, a lot of times you either get a really good teacher or you or you get a good artist, but you rarely get a good teacher who's a good artist. I feel like there would be two different people. You'd either get one or the other. All, all the teachers either did one of those things really well, but not both, not often. Hmm. And Kazu was that rare case where he really was super talented, could, could, could be doing anything he wanted pretty much, and he still wanted to be there teaching because he loved to share the knowledge. And man... I love that. I, I I really took that to heart. I try and live by that same sensibility and same mentality. I meet people who are trying to figure out how to get in. I try and help them get in because it's it is an unusual thing. And your heart's on the line every time. I mean, your ego is so tied into what you're doing. Like, you may draw something and love it. It doesn't mean everybody else is going to love it. Uh, and so you every time you're showing it around, you know, it's it's nerve wracking. And I appreciate how much guts it takes to do that because I remember doing that and just being uh, it's. It can be brutal. The other thing about our school that taught me to have is a real thick skin because you take these critiques where you everything you work on, you put up, and people compare notes on it. And whether they like it or not is uh, kind of irrelevant. I mean, you, you did it, and it's done. But whether they like, you can't control what they think about it, and you're going to hear every opinion, even if it's a dumb opinion. Sometimes it's a great one. You know, you just never know. But it did make me durable. Uh, yeah. Sounds like you went to school on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> I mean, it's as catty as Twitter is for sure. Man, so um, that's funny. It's funny though because so art art school taught you to have thick skin or, or at least helped you develop it. Um, you, you you almost talk about art school like people talk about the army, right? Like I needed discipline. I needed to just like learn how to like put myself on a regular schedule, learn how to self manage, um, self motivate. Yeah. Um, so that's that's interesting. Um, I've never really heard of school being talked about in that way. Um, well, I so think too on that same on that same level, if you can uh, if you can find a way to manage your time and get through our school, get your work done, build this thing, and still have a full time or part time job or whatever, it, it, you're going to be 
so ready for the workforce when the time comes to actually try and get work because, you know, if, there's one thing about me you can say with with certainty is I, I'm not going to blow a deadline. I'm, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And that is a, a quality that is not specific to the arts, but the arts generally has a tough time with that uh, mind frame. And um, I know I just going through that experience, it really, it really reinforced how important that is. And, and that is so that work ethic. That part doesn't really go away no matter what I'm doing. And for me, that was really <laughs> useful. You, you know, and to that point, like you definitely have that representation, uh, that, that uh, reputation. I remember I was hanging out with Dragada at his house one time and we were just kind of talking about like projects and project management and stuff. And uh, he was like, oh, man, I'm not the person that you want to talk to talk to about that. You want to go talk to Justin about that. That guy is a workhorse. He makes me look lazy. <laughs> oh, that's not started. exactly true, but that's not going to say, though. He's always a worker too, man. He's always doing something new. Yeah, he de he definitely is. But when he pointed that out and he was like, "Look how many projects he has coming out," I was like, <laughs> "When does this guy sleep? Doesn't he have a family? Like, when does this guy like take a break, man?" And, oh, and then you know, you know what was funny too? Then uh, Ramon was doing his uh, Mex Flintalo podcast, uh -huh. and he would like I could tell sometimes he would like just like randomly throw one together. And every time he invited you on when it was live, you were always at your table drawing. Not so on the podcast. Well, it's true though. If we're doing a chat or something, we definitely, I'm definitely out here because otherwise it's too distracting in the house. Anyway, I got, I have two kids. You know, they're good kids, but it's wild having children. Like you just have no control. I mean, both of you know, like it's just there's no, you can't control your environment. And I do have the, I will say, I have the good fortune of having a studio space that's next to the house but it's separate right so i can come out here and do what i need to do here and mentally be here and then close it down and ho hopefully leave it here and go back and and uh be present for my family i mean theoretically it doesn't always happen i'm not I'm not perfect at it but that's definitely a skill set you have to learn too if you're going to do comics i don't see another way no one's making you do anything you have to find a you have to want to do it and you have to have the presence of mind to be able to turn it on and off when you need to compartmentalize i guess you know I mean, that's any, any, probably anybody who owns their own business right, is probably the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think those words definitely ring off even more now that we're in like this post pandemic, everyone works from home world. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, we're built for this. When they had a pandemic, we were like, all right. I mean, we can, I, everybody's worked from home, but that, that part of things just felt like this, that I can, that I can do. Right. It's dealing with having the kids home and helping them with their school. That was the challenge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I was fine being at home. I'm fine. Like, all right, cool. I got my little home office. I'm recording my videos. I'm doing this and that. I was absolutely not used to my wife. Like, oh, babe, look at this funny video. I'm like, oh, uh -huh. <laughs> what are we doing right now? Yeah. 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 The, the fact that you're not alone. I mean, you're fine being by yourself doing the boat, but you have to share that space with other people is another thing, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess while we're on the subject, do you have tips for artists for like I guess keeping their head to the grindstone and like just getting that work done are there things that you do to prioritize your time um yeah I mean the most common question people say how to break into comics I feel like uh, the, the most common answer is just keep practicing like I mean the, you just gotta make the comics and in the process of making them you're gonna learn so much just even just doing it for yourself that if you have the willpower to do that on your own you could have no problem when a publisher starts paying you to do it. But it's a good barometer for how serious you are about it, right? Facts. 
Yeah. All right, Skip, I'm going to let you take the next question while I pour over Justin's resume over here. You got it. You got it. So speaking of your resume, um, the guy that tag teamed the uh, article that we did on the Comics Are Dope website, my buddy Bunkmaster B, um, <laughs> he loves, loves your book Fuse. And I oh, remember cool. you saying that that was like, you know, your first series that you did with Anthony that kind of really got you out there. But, you know, what did it look like? right up until you got Fuse? What was that kind of era um, of your career yeah. looking like? That's a really, that's a, that is a good question because it really has a very, a very specific answer. I had been working in comics at that point. I was working a, a, I was working a day job where I would work produce in the morning and then I'd go to work from like three or four in the morning to like one or two, you know, min, either noon to two sometime. And I come home and draw comics when I got home. And I was doing Resurrection at that point. I had done Wasteland and maybe some of the Stringers. I don't remember. But I remember feeling like, man, I kind of have one foot one, one foot in, one foot out right now. And it's uh, challenging. I'm making this extra hard. Um, but I wasn't making enough money in comics to do it as a career. And I was making a living, but it just wasn't enough. And, and I was supplementing with my other job. But I just felt like, man, I need to make a decision. Either I need to figure out a way to really commit to this full time and go for it. Or I need to just recognize what I'm dealing with, f find something that's more full-time, and kick comics back to something I do when I can make the time. And, you know, hopefully I make enough time to stay, stay in it. Um, and I remember really having – and that, that conversation I was having with myself happened to coincide with having just had – my daughter at that point was like almost two. We, Melissa was pregnant. We were about to have another one. And I'm just like, you know, I need to – I need to make a decision on what I'm doing because it's, we're getting to this point where I'm not I'm not just responsible for myself anyway. I gotta I gotta really knuckle down. And around that time, Anthony had reached out about doing the fuse, and it corresponded with um, James Lucas Jones from Oni Press reaching out about potentially doing Stumptown. And I just felt like you know, if I were to take on both of these projects and space them out in such a way to where I could manage both of them. I feel like that would give me enough runway to make enough of a living. If one of the books doesn't work, I still can go back and just stay with the other one. And it was the last straw for me where I, I felt like I could see the road ahead well enough to go full time in, into comics. Yeah, it was awesome, and it was a it was a you know a decision my wife and I had in a serious way because like I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to fail right. Like I don't want to have a family. I don't want to screw this thing up. But I know what I want to do in my heart. And, and she's very supportive of that too. She loves that, uh, that I love drawing that much. And so at that time, that's when I made that, when I started the fuse around the time I started the fuse is about the time I stopped working another job and just went full time into it. And, um, and it was awesome. And the book was awesome. Like Anthony and I had already worked together in wasteland for like a couple arcs. And, um, I, I felt so, I, I felt like I knew him well. I knew his writing well. I was excited for the project. It was, uh, and it was already it was already set up at, at Image. Like by by the time him and I started talking about it, it already had a home. Like we didn't have to formally pitch it; it was already pitched. And um, I was able to just jump right in, and I just uh, I loved the book. I thought it was fun. We still talk about it often. It's something we'd love to return to because the story just had there was so much room to tell other stories in that world that um, I don't know. We we fantasize about coming back to it sometime down the road. We did four books. I mean, it ran for a pretty for a pretty good amount of time. But uh, yeah, it was awesome. Totally awesome. 
That is, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, because like you said, it's it's a specific thing. It's like when you're right there on the precipice and you're like, okay, you know, I got my toes off. Do I do I leap and see how far my wings can take me, or yeah. you know, do I turn back and say, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna actually commit to this and I'm gonna find a place for for my love, but I, but it's gonna have to be you know somewhere on the on, on the back burner on the weekends or something like that. So it's really cool to see, you know, like how. You, you had a, a you know a, a, a spiritual almost emotional faith in yourself to push you to do it but then method like methodically you know you also thought thought it out and you know approached yeah. it from that point so that's yeah cool. I'm, I'm practical right I mean like ultimately I have to I, I I can't just tell everyone have faith too because it's a tough thing to do but as long as I can see that it is possible if it's up to me to figure it out I'll, I'll, I'll really do my best so it's just a matter of trying to find that that way in. And fortunately, I mean, knock on wood, it's worked out. It's been, I think, almost 10 years that I've been full-time at it. Um, and I had maybe four or five years before that where I was kind of like figuring it out. But a lot of that, a lot of that is just um, learning, like learning the language of comics better and better. You know, I read comics since I was a little kid, but making them and really intuitively understanding that um, pacing and process, you know, that, that takes practice. And that gets back to that thing about breaking in, right? I mean, it's the same practice everyone can be doing if they really want to bad enough you know absolutely yeah so I'm trying to figure out how i want to ask this question right so Ooh, good i love a question that requires tax it's got that's got to be exciting <laughs> <laughs> no so so i'm the comic noob right and so my entryway into comics was very much big two superheroes right yeah and Skip has kind of just been like my older brother in the fandom, like, hey, but check this thing out, though. Check out this guy. Um, and so he's often like just kind of throwing me these lobs. And I'm like, OK, I'll read it because because Skip said read it. Right. And so that's how Torrent came across my radar. Mm. Um, Thanks. Nice. And I love it, by the way, through two issues. I just read issue two today. Oh, um cool. And what's funny, it is a, it's a superhero story. It's not a, you know, a big two superhero. It's got a very interesting twist at the end of issue two that I don't want to spoil for people. But um, I, it's dope. The action's great. The art is it's really frenetic. Like this page. This is my favorite page on issue two. Oh, nice. Thanks. Cool. Like it's just uh, <laughs> the hero. Her name is Cracker Jack, which is great. Um, <laughs> But there's just there's such action, there's just a lot of movement on the page. Um, I also love this page where she's like being thrown to her death uh -huh. uh, off, off this yeah. building, and you like see her getting smaller and smaller um, before spoilers happen, right? Um, but anyway, I say all that to say, right? Um, I'm newer to reading indie books, and I'd love to know from you. Like what the the difference is because you've done some some big two work as well, but the difference between like maybe coming up with a story with someone and then pitching that to you know a publisher versus like hey I've got a pitch for this character that someone else owns and yeah. you know maybe I'll get a shot on that. Yeah, I, I mean I I I think I started out in creator on books because style wise I was the easiest fit. I felt like I could see myself doing those kind of books or I'd have an easier time selling myself to those publishers initially. But, mm -hmm. um, because I kind of was raised in that environment, I, I, 
I came to really enjoy the process of like building this stuff. Like, I mean, every time you're, every time you're making a book, like, you know, torrent number two just came out, Mm -hmm. uh, this week, but you know, we started talking about that project maybe a year and a half ago or so. Maybe honestly, Mark and I started talking about doing something else together, probably before COVID even like it was like San Diego. I got last San Diego before COVID him and I caught up at the show and we were just like, man, we should work together again because Mark and I did my, the very first thing I got hired for was uh, a book called resurrection. And that was with Mark Guggenheim also. Um, and that's how we met and we became friends and stayed in contact. And then we rolled resurrection into a book called stringers. We did a little while later. And, um, and then, you know, it had been a few years. He, he had been doing a lot of television stuff, and he was still doing comics periodically, but I think um, this last few years has really marked um, a big change for Mark where he wanted to really go hard back into comics. I think he just he absolutely just loves comics. And so we started talking, like, you know, well, what should we do? If we have a, if we, we have a lot of mutual interests and a lot of, uh, oh, nice, yeah, there's a, there's a Stringers panel. Uh, we have a lot of uh, shared interests and stories, like what kind of stories would we want to do? And so uh, Mark shot me a bunch of ideas, and, and Torrent just jumped off the page at me. I just thought, this is a cool premise for a story. I haven't done superheroes yet. Um, I grew up on superhero books, right? Like uh, it, uh, most folks my age anyway, there, wasn't, there, were, there weren't a lot of creator-owned options anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the stuff you love. And I remember... You know, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I remember in my dad taking me my first WonderCon in Oakland in uh, in 1992. I think it was that was in Oakland still. And um, Image launched, the publisher launched that year, and and I had just never even considered that like, oh geez, you know, these people making these books. I didn't realize there was an issue where they have to answer to somebody like I like that. Part of the image launch was be independent, do your own thing, and I just it never occurred to me that that existed. And I, I went from being a young kid who really thought like, man, someday I want to draw like Wolverine or or X Men, to being like, man, I want to have an image book that'll be read. Like I, I want to have, I want to do, I want to build my own world, do my own thing, and um, and my heart just kind of stayed there. Like I love, I love going over and playing around with the other stuff because it's fun and it's. And it makes you feel like uh, you're doing something grown up when you're contributing to this mythology that's lasted for so long. But um, genuinely, my heart is in creator own comics. I love making something fresh, something new. And and as my career has gone on and I get to know a lot of the writers I work with better, most of my projects grow now out of a conversation of like, wouldn't it be cool if this or that? Instead of getting a script that's complete and then adding to it, you know. And uh, while there's nothing wrong with the other thing either... It's so much more fun to just build something from scratch and be like, what should we do? Should we do this? Should we do that? And the collaboration, the excitement of putting that stuff together is so rewarding, so awesome. So if there's, if I can find a way, I mean, the trick is always whether people will, like if you can find a publisher for what you think is cool and hopefully if you think it's cool, you'll find a publisher who also agrees. And then if people read it, like as long as you can keep uh, putting that together, like it's uh, the it's a wide open market to do, kind of do whatever you want. And I've been blessed that, uh, you know, we're able to find projects consistently that people want to read, which is really cool. Nice. Yeah. So so as you're, you know, kind of explaining these differences, of course, um, you know, my background before any of this was music. And uh-huh. so this reminds me a lot of like, you know, all right, am I going to go the major label route or yeah. am I going to, you know, stay indie and just kind of put my projects together, put them out and so on. Um, 
I guess the major difference in that conversation is that with a musician deciding to go indie, a lot of how they have to make their bones is like, you know, direct to fan selling. Mm -hmm. But with, you know, indie comics, there is still an, an intermediary in that there's a publisher, right? Yeah. How much of, uh, how much pressure do you feel to sort of build an audience, build a following, um, versus like okay or, or i mean do you feel pressure to try to find customers or is it really just yeah. about having the idea and having someone that believes in it no that's a good question you know that what you're describing you know there are outside of you know i'm just thinking this through so you got big two would be like the most stable mainstream thing you could do doing creator own books but finding publishers something kind of in the middle when you think about it because you still have folks who are self publishing their own things or kickstarters mm -hmm has grown so significantly because it gives this big open area for people to sell direct to fans. Right. Um, I don't feel, I probably should feel more pressure to try to have a better sense of like, um, the business side of like selling to fans and building that fan base. I, I, I think there's a part of me that just feels like if I keep making things that I think are cool, that audience is just going to build with it and I'll just, we'll figure it out from there. And, trust that the publishers will do a good job of the on the sales side of things. I find that when I look at the books that sell the best, there's a much there's a really big connection between what the writers and the artists are doing and what the fan base like that there it's less insulated. And so I do feel pressure in the sense that I you know, I can see from a business standpoint to make a lot more sense to be more direct. But um you know, it's, some of it is just like, I don't really, as much as I enjoy that part, like having a conversation like this is awesome, mm. but I don't, can't spend all day on social media. I just don't have an interest. For one thing, I, I don't have an interest in it. Genuinely don't uh, care for it. Like I, I like being on Twitter for a little while and talking to people, but I, I can't put on a show. Like I just don't have the time. I, I, I don't know. I, it's like, I have, I have kids. I have, I'm working on a million things. That's the thing I want to be doing. The rest of it, I, if I were better at that, it would definitely help every project to work on. But like, there's a certain point where you're like, you're only willing to give so much. And, and I guess for me, I just found a medium that kind of works uh, in the middle, you know, because the thing I really want to be doing is drawing the books in the first place, you know, in terms of selling them, it's sort of a different skill set. It's not a skill set. It's a skill set. I understand. It's not a skill set. I, I have, but it's something I've worked on because I kind of have to, if I'm going to do, I don't, it, if I'm going to be collaborating with people, I don't want to be the one who's not, taking care of their end of like actively trying to sell this stuff, you know? Right. Right. Does that make sense? It's kind Absolutely. of a long-winded long -winded answer. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, I think you said a key thing that I started to think about too, where you said, you know, like what your skill set is. You have some people that may be a little more hip or a little more ear to the ground or, or have their way, how, how they find out what people are really into and excited about but may not produce as much. And then, you know, you got someone more on, on your side who, who like you're a workhorse, you know, you, you find your collaborators that you enjoy working with. You guys pair really well. You get straight to business. You're able to get the book out to the people. Yeah. And like you said, you're like, Hey, whoever the publisher is, you know, I'm gonna let you, you know, work your area of expertise, you know, go ahead and market the book, get it out to people and everything. And I'm gonna get back to making sure that you guys got another Justin Greenwood book, you know, yeah, next yeah. quarter to get I mean, out. And, it's, and honestly, it's not altruistic at all. It's selfish, right? But like, it, it, but that is the honest answer. I look at somebody like Chip Zdarsky, that dude is such a personality. Mm -hmm. He's putting together newsletters that are 
funny. Every one of those things is funny. He's funny online. He and he works. He seems to work constantly. I, I don't know him. I don't. I don't know all his projects, but it seems like he's announcing something new frequently. Mm-hmm. And I, I admire that uh, skill set. Like he's a sales. He's not a salesman in the sense that he's trying to sell you, but you like him. You want to keep up with what he's doing, and he's and he's and he's good at it. Um, but I also know that I don't do that that well. It would be. It would feel like work to do that. It, like like mm-hmm. I don't need. It feels like another job. And at this point, I just right. don't want to take on another job. So I guess I, I find a way to. Be available, get that stuff out there, um, but then make sure I'm not giving up the time that I have to actually do the work I, I really want to do. Exactly. But but, but that hustle them. is absolutely a function of being in creator on comics. Like I think if you're working for for Marvel or DC, that machine is so well built that thing can can it'll promote the, the books sell themselves in the sense that as long as the work you're doing is good, people are buying them. You know. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. But no, I think that's key really in, in any industry that you get in, you know, but especially creative ones, find your lane, you know, uh, f- see what the parameters are and, 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 and how you can work that lane the best that you can and stick stick in that lane. Because yeah. I think we've all seen the stories of people that tried to go too far outside of their <laughs> bounds and, you know, what they're really interested in, and, you know, and get wrecked. So or yeah, they, they decide lane, they're going to make in. a. Yeah, make a big splash, and they just just fall around their faces. They just do something crazy because they think it's just it's so far outside of what they understand. And you know, th- there's something to be said for growing that and making that effort too. Like I, I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not like it's impossible. And, and I feel like I, I I have tried to do better that as time has gone on. But ultimately, man, it's just not the part of the job I like. I mean, I like doing. I like just want. I just pretty much. Uh, I think most folks who draw just love to be left alone to draw, and it's a real. It's an illness, but we love. It's just uh, we love it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, creators like to create, right? Yeah. Like, I love having these conversations, getting the podcast together. You know what I hate? Uh, ironically, reaching out to people to schedule podcasts. It oh, is funny. My least I can see that though. Favorite thing. Um, and the same. I I don't like the back and forths with like potential sponsors. Who are like, all right, we'll give you this much for an episode, and can, well, can you edit this or can you say it like that? Like. I hate it. I just yeah, want to. Yeah. I just want to record my show, talk to the people in the audience, you know, have fun with the chat, and you know, then go back home to my family. So yeah. I, I totally get that. Um. So, all right. So let's talk about. Well, I guess we kind of did this already. We talked about torrent, but I guess I'd like to know how you go about choosing projects. Because I mean, you talked about we're doing creator-owned projects, so you kind of get to, you get a lot of leeway in the stories that you want to tell, you want to sign on for. What is it yeah. about a, a writer's script or an idea that speaks to you and is like, yeah, I want to draw that? Um, yeah. Well, I, I think project to project, I usually am looking for something different than the last thing I did, and it, I I want to try. Like doing superheroes was so exciting uh, because after. You know, 15 years of drawing comics, I still hadn't really done a superhero book, but I, I love that world, those worlds, so I thought, oh, that would be fun. And the next thing I'm doing is a horror book, which I have never done before. And part of it is just uh, the challenge of, like, just doing something that is outside of the regular rhythm, but um, that, and it has its own specific pacing challenges or its own specific storytelling things that, that sound like fun to me. Because the one thing I don't want to do is get bored just doing the same stuff all the time. Um, and then in terms of working, who I work with, you know, there are so many great writers. Um, 
I don't often get at this point. I don't often get a script first. Usually, I end up just kind of talking to folks, and um, there are so many people I want to work with because I think either they're a great writer, or they're somebody I'm really friendly with, and I like their their writing, and I think like, oh, we could probably do, we could probably meld together really well. Like, you just get a sense of rhythm, like um, personality wise, and just think like, oh, to to work together would be really exciting. Um, so I, I mean, I'm just thinking about all the projects like at this moment. Torrent. I'm done drawing Torrent for now, and I probably have like three or four other projects that are on my schedule in like various levels of development. One that I'm drawing that already has a home, one that I'm getting ready to draw that has a home that needs to that I need to start on, and then I have a couple of things that are in development that are just ideas that we're working up and getting ready to pitch for down the road. And I think that's another part about being in creator own comics too. Like you're just you're always working on one thing, but you're but you are thinking about five other ones because you know that this one thing is going to end. You're going to need to line the next one up, and and um, and it's fun. I mean, like, I mean, I always describe it in a very practical way. But like, the truth is, I, I love it. Like, it's so much fun to do this stuff, you know. Um. So yeah. So anyhow, to answer your question, uh, I talk to I talk to a lot of writers at this point, a lot of other creative people, and. When somebody pitches me an idea that I feel like hits me a certain way, if I really like, like when I read the pitch for Torn, I just thought like this is a killer idea. And I remember telling Mark like, man, I, I think this could make a great comic. And then he he you know he spent a little time putting together a more formal outline of what he thought that would look like, and like just that that building and like oh you see all these pieces and you go man that would be awesome. And it was even bigger and, and more exciting than than I had initially thought of it when he broke it down. I thought this is going to be rad, and so. You know, I sent him back notes on stuff that I think, oh, this could be cool, maybe this, maybe that. And just that that building is, by the time you're done and the book comes out, it's it's awesome. Because you're like, man, it's, it really happened. Like, we really did. We went from talking about this thing to making this thing over a course of uh, a couple of years. Yes. Okay, I want I want to be I want to be a little selfish for like three minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so number one, going going back uh, a a. a I guess really two books because we had Area Five One Zero, yeah, that uh, that came out. Such an awesome, nice standard hardcover kind of novella style story. Um, people who haven't checked it out, highly advise checking it out. It's a it's a little bit of a it's 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 a it's a little bit of a love letter to that part of the Bay Area, you know, the Five One Zero area code and everything. I, yeah. I highly advise checking it out. Also, but shout out to wanna... shout out to Ramon Villalobos for the name. He's the one who came up with that name. I, I have to give him credit. And Jay Ferber and I are the ones who who did that book, but. When we were trying to figure out the name, we I I was trying to we were shooting towards Skyline. So I thought because it's a street, it's like a long street in Oakland too, as well. And I thought that's a good name, but uh, Ramon came up with Area Five One Zero, and just uh, we it stuck. And I feel like if I don't make a point of uh, mentioning that, he's going to be pissed because there's one person <laughs> possible to watch. It, it might be. <laughs> Hold on, I, here's my response to that. Oh. Hella tight. Anybody who's read the book will, <laughs> will know will know that part. You saw but, that dialogue. Um, he's like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "No, that's you. That's how you talk." Around. Okay, in my mind, that's how you sound. Oh um, but to, but to go but to go back one more, I really really really, I feel like criminally underappreciated book was compass can you just just tell me it doesn't have to be long-winded because i want to talk a little bit more about torrent hero but yeah how did that come together and 
and and and and why? Like, how many times do I have to buy that book and just send it to people for them to be like, "What? I didn't even know a book like this exists." Like the like Middle Eastern, like medieval times. Like, yeah. just tell me, tell us a little bit about Compass, man. That book was freaking awesome. I'm trying to think of how that you know that project came together. If, if, if I'm not mistaken, when we announced the last siege, we did it at one of the last Image Expos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I caught up with Greg when I was there. And Greg said, you know, I have some friends who have come up with this premise for a comic that I think is really good. And we've been building this idea together. I'm, I'm, in, yeah. I'm involved in it. I'm not writing it, but I'm, I've been just kind of shepherding it along. And I think you would be a good fit for the art if you'd be interested in it. And he yeah. sent me and, sort and of I, a... And I want to stop you to yeah. just, just say, Greg, this is Greg Rucka. Everybody. Yeah, yes. Greg, Greg Rucka. Rucka. My, my uh, frequent collaborator, uh, we did Stumptown together. And so we had been talking about doing something else. And, but he says, yeah, I got this idea. What do you think? And, um, I just thought it was rad. I thought it was just, and again, something I had not done before. It's, I had a period where I felt like I was doing history related type stuff. Uh, I had like a few years where a lot of the projects were rooted in history in one way or another, but they were all pretty different from each other. And I felt like Compass was, would feel more like a pulp story, kind of a pulpy action. I mean, not, not really a thriller, but, uh, in, you know, I guess in the same way that like any, it's definitely an Indiana Jones type character. You know, but but set in history where they're not looking for historical relics; they're looking for knowledge. They're looking for artifacts that that have power. And uh, yeah, this is, it was a it was a totally awesome book. That's another book that came. I had crazy timing where everything kind of hit uh, COVID around this, like because COVID lasted the the just the change of schedules where things were shut down and then brought back. That book landed in such a weird way that like it, you're right, it didn't. It was kind of. Uh, Underappreciated. I felt like it was also kind of underappreciated, but it was an awesome book and I highly recommend it. That's another project we've talked about going back to. I, the the two writers had sent me a note uh, recently about um, ideas for a second volume that I think would be really cool, but I don't know if we'll end up doing that or not. It'll just depend on time more than anything. But but I love the st- love the story, love the characters. It was an awesome book. I just so bought good. it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> nice. yes. you know, Skip said compassed. I'm like I. That sounds familiar. And then I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, snap. You sent me issue one. Yeah. <laughs> Literally mailed me issue one. It was uh, a lot of the old guard team, too. Like, uh, we had a lot of overlap mm-hmm. with those creative teams. In fact, when we went to go do a story for that old guard anthology series, it was the same same creative team. We just jumped over and did it. It was it was yeah. super fun. It's a good group of folks. And, and it was the first time I worked with a lot of them. But they, they all, a lot of them already worked together pretty frequently. I Absolutely. Love how, I love how issue one, I mean, we've got three, four, five pages. There's no dialogue. Uh-huh. This is really like <laughs> Justin just kind of driving storytelling. And I mean, I yeah. probably shouldn't read while I ha- try to have a conversation, but <laughs> it's compelling. <laughs> this, is, anyway. this is just amazing. Like, it's this is cool. I know what I'm doing after this. But <laughs> <laughs> so I. I Dang, I forgot my question going through this artwork. Um, so I'll, I'll let Skip ask another before I jump back in here. You got it. Um, okay, so 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 that was that one. And then, of course, we currently have Torrent, as we talked about. Issue number two came out today. Yeah. It is available. Yeah. Um, 
I, I read Stringers. I loved Stringers. I was already a fan of the Nightcrawler movie. And then, yeah. you know, we're talking about it and you're like, you know, my book Stringers, you know, what I mean, deals with the, you know, it's kind of in that same area of interest. Yeah. Same and world I just, in a lot of ways. Same world in a lot of ways. I, I am a sucker for Los Angeles under be- like crime underbelly stories like oh, okay. i Your love birth. like you know street kings and um, uh uh-huh. what was it uh end of watch and i just watched that again the other day yeah yeah i, I think both of those are uh david ayer movies right like yes end of watch and uh, street kings yeah did he write did he direct street king maybe he just wrote it i can't remember what I feel uh, like he, he just wrote, wrote it he yeah. didn't he didn't wrote wrote, he didn't i don't think he direct that one i think he yeah, just yeah, wrote yeah. it i'm yeah. a i'm a, but, yeah. I'm a huge fan of his stuff and and for the same reasons right like i find those characters generally relatable they're always interesting stories and yeah. there i feel like he does greedy in a way that is um that feels honest or it just doesn't feel like sometimes you read that stuff or watch that stuff and you're like eh. it's like a parody of uh, what being like a hard case is but those characters <laughs> feel genuinely rounded out but they're also hard case people you know absolutely and you know uh, mark you know, was able to just boom, get right in there and and tell tell, you know, a very similar thing with very sensible twists, really respecting the geography of where the story is told and yeah. how like airports and all those different things come into play. So you guys synced so beautifully on that. I know that was like your second project working together. But when did you realize that, you know, his stories and and the parts of darkness that he taps into within humanity mixed with like your kinetic art, you know, how you ink, how you use a lot of noir, a lot of blacks and stuff like that yeah. and splatters. When did you guys figure out that you guys were such a good pairing together? I don't know. That's a good, I'd have to ask him that. I'd be curious to, to know what he, what he, how he'd respond to that. But, um, you know, Mark, I feel like writes stories that have, they have weight. And I think art wise that, that grab generally, just broadly speaking, I mean, I love a story that has real weight. And he, one thing he does really well is interjects humor in a way that um, he he punctuates it just right in a way to where it can be funny, but it doesn't take from the weight of what's happening. And <clears throat> instinctually, I think I gravitate to stories like that. And I and I think uh, hopefully, I think the art suits that type of story type. It's that way in Torrent, definitely too. I mean, that's I think that's the one quality I see in in all three of the projects we've worked on. You know. Uh, but you know, to begin when we first worked together, I was just so excited to be doing anything that I'm like, all right, I'm making comics. Like this is awesome. But as time has gone on, I've come to really appreciate how much I enjoy working with him. Just largely because he is such a good collaborator. Like he he's always willing to hear an idea. Um, when he when he's committed, he's a, like like when he's in, he's in 100. percent same. It's a very similar mentality. And so when we're working, it's, it feels very fluid, very easy, and it's uh, enjoyable. You know. Which honestly, for comics, if if you're not really loving it, there's no, there's just no point. It's such a <clears throat> comics is a, such a time intensive thing, drawing comics in particular, that if you're not really, really enjoying what you're doing, it's just, it's, it's, you're not going to get. Well, I don't think you're even going to get through it. Like you'll just burn out after a while. So you find yourself collaborating with people you really want to do things with, and people, and as time goes on, you get to know who those people are and be open to, to new folks. But, but it makes it a lot easier when. You sign up on a project with somebody who you know is gonna deliver something great, is is fun to work with, and is willing to hear whatever crazy ideas you're gonna shoot back at them. You know, so rad. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, this this is like a two parter. So 
I'll start with a simple one, right? How would you describe your art style? Mm. I'll tell you what, I I don't, the thing I've been focused on recently in the last couple years a lot is really looking at movement and energy. I want those things to, I want the fun to carry across. Like even when you're drawing something that does have that weight, I don't want it to get, uh, I don't want it to be too static. I just think comics, part of the, the awesome thing about comics is that sense of movement. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I hope that that carries through for other people, but it's definitely the part that I'm, I'm focused on when I'm working on. It. And when I work on a project like Torrent, that is constantly moving. It's it's big moments, um, and the big moments punctuate the small moments, and vice versa. The trick is finding ways to slow that down effectively, and finding ways to make that go fast effectively. That really control the pacing in a way that that carries and the cool thing is like working with rico makes that easy because rico's colors have that same energy like it's uh, yeah yep yeah i mean I, that's the thing is when you're building these when you're building these projects then you start building your teams and you start picking people that you think oh i'll bet they would really be a big a big um help in making this thing an even better idea than what we start with and so we've just been blessed i mean it's a really good creative team and then Keith, who, who does letters and design, he, he I've worked with him since I first started at Oni. He was the, their like main graphic designer back in the day. We've known each other for years. And so getting to all work together, just when you pick a team and you just know everybody and you just know what they're capable of and that they suit the material you're working on, it just makes uh, makes it go super smooth and, and it's easy to be proud of the finished product, you know. Definitely. And five second commercial real quick. Shout out to Rico Renzi. No longer mint. That's That's where you can find shirts like this. Martin the Manhunter. Get yourself some Rico Renzi. And back to you, Kicks. Beautifully done, man. Real professional. That is great. I got to get Rico to pay for a sponsorship spot now. (laughs) He's your neighbor. It won't be hard. Right. right. But not... um, it's fun. I I, I, I want to ask. I wanted to ask that because I like to see if like my assumptions are correct, right? Because what I what I notice about your art is very much the fluidity, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it you really move the reader through the page, and it's like I feel like my eyes move fast when they need to, and they stop when they need to. It's like I yeah. can tell. Like, okay, wait this is important what's going on all right yeah and then we're back through the back to the action and and so on so besides the fluidity and just like the just how much movement there is in the art the other thing that really stands out to me are the expressions like this page right here like yeah 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 it's just like you the way you're throwing these emotions onto these characters like again and often there's not a lot of words being spoken and it's really just we're just gonna let this page do the talking that oh, thank you that is a quality that is just really um i admire a lot i just oh, think right that's on. really cool yeah i mean that acting it's another thing i mean i, I don't know I, I think any like you like you said you're at backgrounds in music you're always trying to find new ways to do stuff trying to trying to get better at the things you already do and i feel like acting energy i really want i think that's the stuff that makes comics really neat and if you mm-hmm. can find a ways to show that off then you're kind of you're doing comics a service you know if it was just a bunch of photographs it'd be super boring I, I don't i don't work 
very photorealistically. I, I think it can be cool to do that under some circumstances, but the comics that I enjoy the most feel drawn. I want the I want the energy of the line and the, and the fun of it to, to carry across. And the acting and all that, that kind of thing is very important. Same with texture. I remember when I first started, I tend to lean into more graphic. I like very, um, you know, a lot of folks will break comics artists into a couple different schools. Like if you grew up in the Kirby, that big energy Kirby, or like uh, whether you were a guy who liked the Toth type, you know, very graphic, simple. I, I, my natural instinct is to do that, more simple, more graphic. But I went when I, as I continued drawing, I looked back at the things I draw and felt like it's, it just feels too static. It feels too – so I try and find ways to use those graphic shapes but in a way that doesn't slow the page down. And I think marrying those two things has been a big um, focus of mine this last few years, you know, just try how to – how to use the black but not have it be so weighted down so heavily that it makes the stuff seem unrelatable or um, or too still, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Because it's funny. I like to, I'll sit there and nerd out over every brush stroke, right, on, on something like a, a Toth or like a J.P. Leon, right? Oh, but, man. And, yeah, J.P. Leon, one of my absolute favorites. I mean, just absolutely admire, love that dude's art. It's crazy. It's, I mean, R.I.P. Man, that guy was the best. I met him at a show one time years ago when I was first trying to break in, and he was so. I showed him my portfolio. It was the portfolio collection of art was so bad, and he was so nice about it that uh, I just couldn't believe it. And then he sat and gave me like 15, 20 minutes of time looking through his own art. He had a bunch of his comps, and like he was so generous with his time. But separate of his personality, what an artist, man. Just incredible. I was looking through that uh, Winterman Artist Edition recently, uh, and it's the you know the big re the big scans of the original pages. Mm-hmm. And I, I was doing the same thing you're talking about, just nerding out all these strokes. Like, he, he, he somehow uses minimalism in a way that doesn't ever seem boring, but he, he right. can get a, sh- a face down to a few lines, and you're just like, wow, how does it still read so clearly, you know? Incredible. Right. That's insane. So talented. I still haven't been able to bring myself to read that Christmas edition of uh, uh, Batman and Catwoman. I I, I got it in there. I still haven't been able to. But um, but man, the covers that he did for Savage Things for Ibrahim and them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still look at those covers and they are just ridiculous ridiculously like intense and like yeah. the laid out and the perspectives man he was just jpl was just a revelation it, it absolutely yeah. man those though when i remember buying winterman in the store I, I don't know when they came out i guess it would have been probably 90s um but it was like a four or five issue series and i ever and they were spaced out i don't know if they were late or that's just the way they planned it but you know like in those days you you didn't have solicits i mean i'm sure they existed but like i didn't have a computer you know we were talking like i was a kid and then I'd go to my shop and I'd see the new one there and I'd freak out and I would just like the original versions of those issues are all like, you know, dog eared and, and beaten down from just being looked through and looked through over and over. But um guy I admire his his mark making so much. I what an incredible artist. Absolutely. All right. So I, I, I tend to do this, right? I try to avoid spoilers, and I end up just avoiding talking about a comic altogether. Uh. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're going we're gonna to bring this conversation back around the Torrent again. And just for yeah. those who are watching or listening, um, what is Torrent about? And, and, and I guess we can just talk about this. I, I tr- I'm trying so hard not to spoil this story. But let's just talk about what Torrent's about so people well, know if they want to buy it or not. Yeah, Torn is about um, Torn is about a superhero. Like a the original question, I, I feel like the way Mark framed it was: What does it take to make a 
a B-level superhero like, uh, say, the Spider-Man into the Punisher? Like, how far do you have to push somebody who's good and has a good life in, into just completely becoming an, uh, the worst version of themselves, you know? Somebody who's no longer, like, where, where is the line between hero get drawn in that scenario? And um, our, our hero, Cracker Jack, is uh, pushed to that limit right right in the first issue. It's, it's not, I don't think it's spoiling it to say awful things happen to her. And she mm. is put in a position where she has to do something about it. And then she starts to get bit, slowly be pushed in a position where does she have to or does she just want to at this point? Like, she just is, she's furious. She, and she, she, she becomes so vengeful that it just overwhelms her. And I mean, that's really what the story is, that, that evolution of, of what happens in that scenario. And, where does that take you? What dark places does that take you to? Right. Yeah. So so issue one starts off, like you said, with incredible tragedy, um, or at least ends that way. Um, and then by issue two, it's like, all right, let's let's try to sort of pick up some of the pieces. Let, let's let's keep let's 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 build off of this. And what I, what I love about issue two is just seeing her her cynicism grow. Yeah. Right. She's like, look, the cops aren't going to do anything. Look, the, you know, I guess we can call them whatever, the Justice League, the Avengers, whatever we want to call the superhero team stand-ins. It's like they're inept. They're not really, they're not really helping. Um, And you're seeing how she's slowly like, look, I'm just, whatever's about to happen is about to happen my way. Yeah. Um, And gosh, it is such an interesting ride. Yeah, she's just still making that issues. effort, especially in, in two. I mean, she still wants to make that effort to try and do it right. But it's, you know, sometimes things are not that cut and dry. They're just not that simple as much as we want them to be. And honestly, when you're pissed enough, you stop caring at a certain point, right? Like, I, we've all been that angry where you're just like, I don't, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't, I don't want to do this shit, you know? I'm, I'm mad. Right I'd rather, I know, I know I can, I know I can do this another way and it's going to, I'll feel better about it. I don't know. It's not right, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, honestly. And you know, and I think that that is what is so compelling. And that's what I a lot of my like, you know, Internet comic circle that I've turned on to the book and they are becoming evangelists of the book that like how you guys, you know, were able to express where she was, how she got there. And I think also it was a very good storytelling technique. Uh, and it, and I don't feel like it's always so effective, but when it is, it really works. How y'all did some in media res and kind of gave a glimpse of where she ends up and then walks us through how she got there, you know, was, 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 was perfect for the story. But in issue two, once you see where she's gotten pushed to, her back is already against the wall and she slid down the wall and she's sitting down. Yeah. But then to see the sides of the walls start to close in on her yeah. and the places that she would normally look to help and like to first help and then to ask for help, how yeah. those are closing in on her, you're really starting that that's what makes it so believable in the verisimilitude of how this character, like you said, can start to turn yeah yeah awesome it makes me excited for you to read issue three i, I mean it, i'm sure this is true of a lot of books but this one in particular i feel like the the tension level starts to really ramp like you start to just be like oh we're, this is where we're going this is nasty uh really kicks into gear from i think three forward and uh excited for you guys to read it i think you'll be I think you'll be into it it's pretty it's a, it's a fun it was a 
very fun book to draw, like just a love action. And uh, that was one thing we talked about is like the thing that this book has to pay off on is it has to, you have to be surprised and, and the action has to be, uh, feel like the stakes are high and the stakes just feel like they get higher and higher from issue to issue. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the one thing that certainly comes through. Like every page turn, you're like, yo, what, what is about to happen? <laughs> um, and I love the title torrent, which just kind of implies, look like everything is coming down. Like, yeah, this, this is, this is not going to be some gradual, like, no, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember, I think the definition of torrent was like the release of a overwhelm. I forget the exact definition, but it was that, that release of like something that can't be contained anymore. I mm-hmm. thought that was such a perfect, that was, that Mark had already from the start, like that was the title he had already had. And, it was a bummer because it matches torrent, like which is what people do with comics anyway. I'm sure it makes searching it a little like one step harder. But you know what? Like ultimately, we got to do the thing we think is cool and just not worry about the rest of it. But, yeah, but I, uh, I, I thought it was a great. I think it's a great it. name. Yeah, and I think that name applies. Like something we've talked about is doing books down the road that keep like either like potentially just retaining the same name and just picking up new stories because I feel like um, that can be applied a lot of different ways. You know. Like if the book were called Cracker Jack, the story would have to be entirely about Cracker Jack. I feel like the whole time. True. Yeah. True. Good point. Yeah, can kind of yeah, it can kind of be its own series and not yeah. have to stay with one particular character, but it does maintain the theme. But you can tell totally different stories, totally different scenarios. Yeah. Keep it fresh with a new set of people. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Well, look, whoever's watching and or listening if you needed a reason to buy torrent besides the fact that skip and i pulled justin out of hiding to talk about (laughs) it that's how much we enjoyed it um the story is great like i said through the two issues that are out as of recording um and the art is amazing like i mean i've described it quite a few times it's it's really it's really kinetic uh it's really fluid but it you pause when you need to pause like it it's not just there are this is not to put down any artists or anything right but i know there's times when you're reading like indie books and it just feels rushed or it feels like it was enough to get the idea on the page yeah in a way this isn't that this isn't that um so i'd highly recommend grabbing it so how many how how many issues is the series so far? It's five. It's five. Well, there's two out issues. now, and there'll be five total. Yeah. This okay. uh, also uh, another thing that's cool about this issue is uh, cover B. The variant cover was uh, Ramon, our pal Ramon Villalobos, did cover did cover B, and then uh, cover C. We're doing these homages, and Rick Leonardi is doing all the cover C's from this point forward. Every issue, he's doing like an homage to his classic covers, and again because. You know, I'm totally a, a, a kid who grew up on these Marvel books. Like, a lot of them are are those. He's homaging, like, X-Men covers, Daredevil, um, Spider-Man 2099, the stuff that he's kind of best known for. And uh, doing, like, we're basically just doing, like, our characters in a similar composition, similar colors. Yeah, it's rad. They look, they look totally awesome. I'm such a fan of his. Yeah, like, that's the one for number three. That's the cover for three. That which is, is the awesome. Spider-Man 2099 one. That's fly. Sometimes I have to pretend like I know how to use. Yeah, technology. this one was uh, this was like a cover. It was like a Daredevil and Wolverine cover from the eighty, like late eighties. Oh, I could find the. I have to send you the originals. 
like the original images. I don't think five has been. I don't think they've solicits for five have come out yet. Yeah, there's a Ramon's cover right there for issue two. Okay. I was telling uh, Ramon every time my wife sees that cover, she's like, "Man, that's really good." I'm like, and the way she says it, I'm always like, "Hey, the other covers are good too." But she <laughs> absolutely loves his uh, cover. Well, his art's wonderful. In fact, you can. I guess you can't see it from this angle, but I have the original up on the wall. He gave to me at the most recent Stockton Con. Oh, oh no way! That's yeah. awesome. dude. That yeah, super I love nice. These man. covers. He's the best. And 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 so, but but that that last cover that um that BJ Kicks was just showing. I got a feeling because I know Rico did a lot of the coloring, but that looks like Brad's coloring. Is that correct? Uh, not on. Wait, wait. You're talking about uh, the cover A that was uh, that was dressed up. Three. I think for issue issue three. Oh, cover A for issue three. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's Rico's. Rico did all he. The only co- uh, cover Brad colored was Danny's because uh, Danny and Brad worked together a lot. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and, yeah, and which I can't, you, you I can't are right, though. Brad and I work together a lot, too. But uh, this is Rico series, so I used all the colors. Yeah. Okay. Because So the green looks uh-huh. like Rico. And once I look in the top left, it does. But the bottom right, you know how Brad <laughs> l- like yeah, mixes I, those those purples, those fuchsias and all that yeah. stuff together. I was like, that's a Brad corner right there. So you know what? I'm just going to say Rico <laughs> is shouting out the homie Brad in the bottom right corner. That's how I'm going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, yeah, they're man. both. Uh, that's awesome. I've been blessed. Like, uh, that's another thing too. Is you as you li- doing you're doing creative on comics, you get to really you know partner up with with folks. You, I mean, you're the one choosing your team, so you just want to work with people you know are going to deliver. And uh, fortunately, I do, man. I'm just I'm, I feel very lucky, you know. Super lucky. Absolutely, big time. I gotta I gotta get a cover A from you for issue number two because I got I got the um I got the Leonardi cover and I got a uh, Ramones cover and I went to two different shops because I'm trying to spread the oh, love nice. around, let people Thanks, know we're man. buying them. But I gotta get I a got cover I got a one for you at the house, man. Uh, the Rick Leonardi thing, like I, I Rico knew Rico knew him as the one that put us in contact, and it was his idea to do. No the way. Art. Yeah, and uh, I think he's a Heroes Con too, if I'm not mistaken. Like this year, I think Rico. As a matter of fact, I don't know this with 100% certainty, but I, I, uh, Rick's been announced at Heroes. Rico definitely is going because he, he used to be really involved with that show. I'll be there this year. I think Mark might be there too, uh, Guggenheim. I think he's going to be there also. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, but I'm pretty sure. And then uh, one of the other variant cover artists, I don't think it's been solicited. Or, I mean, it's gone to solicit, but I don't think it's come out yet, but... Maria Wolf did the cover for issue five, the variant cover for issue five, and I think she's going to be there too, which is pretty cool. No way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, kick, kicks, make uh. some room on the couch for me. I'm, I'm coming in Justin's briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in North Carolina. I'm coming back. <laughs> Baby, I'm coming home. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'll be there too. This will be fun. It'll be cool. We'll definitely, I'll definitely come uh, by your table. Yeah, it's been years since I've done that show, and I've been looking forward to. It. In fact, I think I'm taking my. I, I rarely am able to get my wife out to a show, not because she has. She loves to travel, but like usually she has to work or whatever. But she's a teacher, and this year she's at a school where she does get summers off, like a traditional teacher. Nice. And uh, I'm like, cool. We'll come out. We'll take a little trip. It'll be fun. I'm gonna drag her out there. Probably be hottest. Hey, it's gonna be hot though, huh? In June and uh, yeah, in, June in Charlotte. Charlotte fun, June right? and Charlotte will be no joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. It'll be a nice change anyway for a little bit. 
Yeah, hey, we're in the Sacramento area, d- d- Justin. Let's not act like we're not. We know those 112 degree we, days. I we mean, no do, humidity, though. The no humidity, humidity is though. something else. I'm, I'm a, it's that, uh, you know, I was raised in Northern California, Bay Area. I, I was spoiled with the weather for a long time. And moving to this area, like Sacramento area, definitely much hotter. But it's still not that humid. That thickness is not, uh, you know, we don't get that here. Yeah, like it's, exactly. it's weird when you walk outside and it feels like an oven. Like, yeah yeah that's my brother's that's in florida right now and I, I was like oh maybe since we're gonna be in charlotte like that's like most of the way there maybe we'll come down we'll just catch an extra flight when i see you he goes bro don't hey you know how hot it's gonna be when you get here you're not gonna want to be in florida i can, <laughs> I can tell you with complete certainty that's not a good use of your time yeah, oh my absolutely goodness. man well justin i just want to thank you for your time um and just this has been awesome you've been yeah yeah likewise guest. thank you guys appreciate it it's nice talking to you no problem, man. So Torrent uh, Issue 2 is out right now. Um, by the time you hear this, maybe Issue 3 is on FOCs. I was just looking. It's not on FOC this week. so it's No, it's FOC next week, I think. I think the book's on a five-week schedule, so I have an extra week in there. Got you. Yeah. Got you. So, yeah, grab that. Uh, go ahead and pre-order the trade whenever you see that coming up because you're going to want this book. So, Thank you. Uh, no problem. Uh, and while we've got you, or is there any any place you want to shout out anything or how your fans can reach you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, but you know, if you go to my website, is uh, justingreenwoodart.com. If you search my name, you'll find it, and from there you can catch any of the social medias that I'm on. And, and uh, yeah, shoot shoot me a question. Let's chat. Awesome. Bring awesome. me out of my hermitude into in, into the world. <laughs> hey, hey, that's my job because we got some coin up to go to. We <laughs> yeah, got a Stockton true. Kings game where we got to go pull Ramon out to go to. So to yeah, do. just shoot shoot him some questions and then say, hey, go get go get out the house with Skip. I'm gonna pull you and Mel out. I'm gonna come watch the kids. Y'all could yep. go on the date night. We got craziness. Skip in your area. That is true. We need to. We really. I mean, we've lived in this area long enough. We need to get out and start really poking around because we we. I mean, for as long as we lived out here now, which I think at this point has been almost six, seven years, I feel like we just are in our little city, but we just need to really get out and start looking around. Oh, yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah. Word, word. Well, I appreciate it, guys. You guys have been watching the Comics Are Dope podcast on YouTube or listening wherever podcasts are <laughs> sold. Uh, <laughs> appreciate that. And uh, we will see you guys in another episode real soon. Until then, stay awesome, stay classy, and make sure you're reading something dope. Peace.